0: Uh, what an awesome time of worship, and uh, hey, it's good to be back here this morning. Um, after that amazing breakfast, Ryan was right. It was awesome. Uh, and uh, well, we're going to jump right in today. We're going to continue this theme of emotionality, spirituality, and again, that kind of that image of an iceberg that we've been looking at or that we looked at last night, this image that somehow oftentimes for many of us, especially in religious communities and in Christian communities, it's easy to kind of live above the surface, be that 10%, but yet that 90%, how do we let God into those parts of us, and um, uh, I'm going to give a talk that's going to also lead into an exercise that you're going to do during your group time, um, which should be rather interesting. So um, I'd like for you to turn, if you have your Bibles, if you could kind of flip there, or if you look on your phone uh, to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, and we're going to look at this story uh, of a fellow by the name of Bartimaeus, and Jesus and Bartimaeus and this interaction that they have um, together, and uh, in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, I'm going to read for us, and this is what it says. It says, "Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, because of course up to this point Jesus' reputation has gone ahead of him. He's someone who's done great miracles, spoken with great authority, casted out demons, opened the eyes of the blind, which you'll which you're about to see. Uh, A large crowd follows him. We're leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging." When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I mean, can you imagine how excited this guy is? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I mean, so here's the picture, right? So there's this beggar who's been ostracized by the community. If you notice, as they're leaving the city, here's this blind man who's calling out to Jesus because he's heard the reputation of this miracle worker, this person who teaches with great authority. Everyone's still trying to figure out who this person Jesus is. And here Bartimaeus is, probably outside the city, someone who's been ostracized, ostracized as a beggar. And he keeps calling out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, can you imagine this? People are starting to tell him, hey, be quiet. Dude, no one wants to hear from you. We're leaving the city now. Can you imagine? And it says that he starts to shout louder. I mean, don't you love this guy? He's like a true New Yorker, right? Like he's he's going even harder now. He's just kind of like, no, 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 Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the most miraculous thing happens. Jesus is like, yeah, come on, come here. And so people started to tell them, hey, actually, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry about the, all the stuff that we were saying about you, to be quiet. Uh, actually, why don't, you, why don't you go? Now, most scholars actually point to verse 50 as being kind of the main verse in this text. If you look at verse 50, this is what it says. You know, so after they, he says, cheer up on your feet, because Jesus said to call you. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, why is that the main verse? It's because for a beggar on the road, a cloak was everything to that person. It was the bedding at night. It was the place by which they collected the money that they would keep for themselves. It was also the thing that would keep them warm. So the cloak was everything to a beggar. Now, if you consider that the passage right before this in Mark chapter 10 is actually the passage of the rich young ruler. And of course, if you know the story of the rich young ruler, Jesus basically says, hey, sell all your possessions and follow me. Sell everything and just follow me. And now juxtaposed to that story of the rich young ruler who gives up everything, here's this beggar who all he has, his very livelihood is dependent on this cloak that he carries with him that he tugs close to him. It says that he throws that cloak aside and then he follows Jesus. I mean, isn't that an amazing story? And that's probably the story that many of us have heard before. In fact, many of us, time and time again, especially as New Yorkers in probably the most influential city in the world, we've heard this story that we're to be a people who throw our cloaks aside, who throw uh, uh, like everything at the feet of Jesus so that we can follow Jesus. The idols that we have, our careers, our ambition, even our families, that these things don't take precedence over the God that we serve. I mean, this is a common story of discipleship. This is often what we hear. Will you give up your cloak? Will you die to yourself so that you can follow Jesus? Pretty standard story of discipleship. And of course, it's a main one here in Mark chapter 10. But notice that the story actually doesn't end there. So he throws his cloak aside, he comes to Jesus, and notice this interaction. Jesus asks him this question. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, it's kind of like this crazy question, because honestly, if, if I were in this situation, this is what I would imagine, right? Because it's kind of like, uh, I've, if I'm the disciples and I'm like, hey, be quiet, Bartimaeus, just stop bothering Jesus, we're leaving now. Jesus is like, call him. Actually, Bartimaeus, I'm really sorry. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you go? And he throws his cloak aside. It's this amazing kind of discipleship, radical conversion moment. This Bartimaeus throws his cloak aside, comes to Jesus. And if, if I'm watching this from the outside, I'm one of the disciples, right? And then um, Jesus basically asks Bartimaeus, hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, I'm probably a disciple, and I'm like, ah, ah G- Jesus, he, he's blind. You know, like, I, I, think, I think he wants you to heal him. I mean, it's, it's so clear. Because, because there's so many things that Jesus could have done, right? Hey, call him over here. Bartimaeus comes. Hey, be healed, okay? Now go and live your life of faith. I mean, that that would have been way more efficient. It would have been way easier. Or he could have said to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus comes to him, he could have said to him, hey, Bartimaeus, listen, I want you to know, you just threw your cloak aside, but I want you to know what that means. That means that you're giving up everything to follow me because this is what faith is. It's an all-in endeavor. It's not just kind of one foot in, one foot out. It's everything. So are you willing to do that? Yes, sir. Okay, go. You're healed. But Jesus actually doesn't do that. It's really puzzling. He asks this question. It is one of the most obvious things in the world. He asks him this question What do you want? Now, why in the world did Jesus ask this question? Now, on one hand, Jesus is off. He's asking this question. It's not like he's basically saying, hey, what do you want? But he's really testing Bartimaeus. Like if Bartimaeus says something else, he's going to be like, actually, I'm going to modify this request. Because he literally says, what do you want? He doesn't say, hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want? And make sure that it's in line with my will. Because if it's not in line with my will, then honestly, I'm not going to give it to you, okay? So, and I know everything. I'm omniscient, right? Jesus could have said something like that. But he actually, just literally, just says to Bartimaeus, what do you want. You see, to get a fuller understanding of why Jesus asks this question is to actually examine the different healings that Jesus does with many different people. You see, if you look at different stories of the healings of Jesus, isn't it, isn't it amazing how he always has this unique interaction with each person? So for instance, there's a story in Mark chapter 1, there's a story of the leper uh, who's healed and uh, John Calvin writes about this leper who's healed, right? When he's about to be healed by Jesus, it's, John Calvin says, Jesus could have healed this leper with a touch. I mean, uh, with a word, but he heals him with a touch. Isn't this beautiful? Because it says that when Jesus heals this leper, what he does is he reaches out his hand, he touches the leper, and then he says, Be healed. Now, most scholars have written about how how extraordinary this moment is. It's extraordinary because, really, this leper is probably someone who's been also ostracized from the community, seen as unclean, and someone who is absolutely untouchable. And so what Jesus does when he touches this man in this healing, he's not only healing his infirmity, he's healing his soul, his dignity as a human being. He's touching the man to say, you are worthy of touch I'm gonna make you whole as a human being. Isn't it amazing? Like Jesus, whenever he has these interactions, the reason why each healing is so unique is because each person is unique. And the goal is not simply to heal someone's infirmity. The goal is to heal their personhood. Uh, Another story, for instance, is the story of the man who's born blind in John chapter 9. He tells the guy to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, right? And so he goes and he washes. I mean, isn't this a beautiful story? The guy, he, he goes, he washes. He's been born blind. He's never seen anything before. He washes. And did you ever notice this? Like He washes and probably the first thing that he sees as he looks, the first splashes of color that he witnesses is probably his own face, something he's never seen before. Jesus could have healed him with a word as well, but yet he he heals him in this extraordinary way. You see, each healing of Jesus has this unique feature where Jesus doesn't want to simply, you know, heal someone's physical infirmity. He wants to heal their personhood. And so why in the world would Jesus be asking this question to Bartimaeus? Of course, Jesus, come on, he's blind. Of course he wants to see. It's because for Bartimaeus, as someone who's lived in such a manner in which he's been treated as second class, he's been believing himself to be this non-person person Jesus wants for Bartimaeus to have the experience with his own lips to be able to say to Jesus, Jesus, I I want to see. There's a part of Bartimaeus that's been so wounded, so cut down, so dismissed. He's not been someone who's been invited to share the part of his personhood that's able to share his wants and his needs. And so, Jesus, he already knows that he wants to see. Come on, he's Jesus. But he wants to give Bartimaeus the opportunity to express with his own lips Jesus, this is is what I want. I want to see. You see, because there's something that in our own human dignity as human beings, where we're allowed to want and to need and to express it. For someone like Bartimaeus, he's someone that probably didn't have that kind of dignity, didn't have that kind of freedom, didn't have that kind of opportunity. And what Jesus opens up for Bartimaeus is this opportunity with his own lips to say, this is what I want. Now, of course, there's an inappropriate way that Bartimaeus could have responded, right? I mean, if like, Jesus says to him, hey, G- Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I want to see, but not only that, can you also make me six foot five and make me like just this incredible athlete? And can you also put some money into my bank account and make all the people that thought I was a loser in high school become like the coolest guy ever? Can, can you do that too? Right? There's a sense in which that would have been an incredibly inappropriate response from Bartimaeus. In fact, that's probably the danger that many of you guys have heard about Christianity, right? Hey, don't, God is not some vending machine God, which is true. He's not someone that you come to with your wants and your needs and your wishes, and you ask him to provide in these different ways. He is God and you are not. I mean, that's the story that most of us as New Yorkers, quite frankly, need to hear. That would have been an inappropriate response so for Bartimaeus to list out a litany of wants and needs that go beyond the heart of God. But it also would have been equally inappropriate. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus comes to Barnabas and says, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus basically says to Jesus, Jesus, like, oh, oh this is so crazy that I'm here. And you're asking me this question but honestly, I don't want anything. I just want your will. I just want your will. I just want just whatever you want for my life. But still, like honestly, like anything that you want. But maybe, maybe, like just your will. I mean, right? Like you could, uh, it would have been incredibly inappropriate for Bartimaeus to almost become this shriveled up person who doesn't have any wants and needs, to be someone who is a non-person who offers before Jesus simply this cowering, non-wanting type of person. See, that would have been inappropriate. Now, here's the thing. I firmly believe that one of the reasons why Jesus asked him this question, because Bartimaeus has already demonstrated that he wants to follow Jesus. He's already, he's already thrown aside his cloak. He's already said to Jesus, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm all in. I'm willing to leave my life behind. You see, and I, what I believe is that Jesus asks him this question because he wants Bartimaeus, to, he wants to rehabilitate the whole person of Bartimaeus, the part of him that has wants and needs. The part of him that's able to say, Jesus, I want to see you know, I grew up in a household with uh, three brothers, and uh, my last, and I was the last, but I was a twin, twin, but I had a twin brother, so I signed a lot of sheets last night. Uh, and, you know, my father, like I mentioned last night, was this kind of larger-than-life kind of figure within our household, and very much so, the way that we lived our life was that my father got his way, and uh, everyone else's opinion really didn't matter. And so we kind of quickly learned to fall in line with that, and so as a result, um, it was constantly living with this idea that I need to just give in to whatever my father wanted or wished for. So I want you to know, like, this, this, the muscle of saying what I want and what I need is so difficult for me, and it makes it so difficult for my wife as well. Because remember last time I mentioned the passive-aggressive behavior kind of action going on? That's like me, totally. I mean, this is a common interaction between my wife and I. Like my wife says, hey, where do you want to eat? Like I don't know wherever you want to eat, honey. She goes, okay, let's go. We're gonna to go to Italian. And then on the way to Italian, I'm like, oh, I can't believe we're having Italian again. And she's like, wait a minute, I asked you what you wanted to eat. I'm like, yeah, but come on, I. Okay, we'll go to Italian. Then when we're there, I start complaining again, like, oh my goodness, like I don't know if I can get a healthy option here. And she's like, oh, it's like I you you told me that this is what was okay. Now, this is classic Drew Hyun kind of non-wanting, thinking I'm serving someone kind of behavior for my wife. In fact, people have noticed, even on our team, on our pastoral team and our staff team, that I'll, oftentimes if there's a preference that I want, I'll usually, I'll usually, act, like, I'll usually declare it in the form of a question. Um, I'll, so, for instance, like if, if I want to end a meeting, I'll say, hey, should we get going now? Everyone knows, okay, so yeah, okay, you want to end the meeting now. Like, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying, maybe we should, sh- should we get going now? <laughs> and uh, like, no, 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 you, you want to you close the meeting. There, there's something about that part of wanting and needing that's been so difficult for me. Um, you know, when I'm preaching, I normally don't preach uh, and mention any movies, because I know they can be spoilers and stuff, but I'm going to mention a couple movies here. Um, We're not going to show that clip right now, but there's another movie uh, that I just thought of, which uh, there's this clip. It's this movie called The Notebook, um, which my wife watched. I didn't watch it. She would just tell me about it. Kind of like Anne of Green Gables. Wow, we got some hand here. Yeah. And uh, well, there's this, there's this moment where, um, I forgot what their names are in the movie. I know that the woman's name is Allie. Uh, and then the, the guys, that, no, wow, Noah, thank you, wow, <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Give him a hand, everyone, wow, so Noah... And Allie, and then Allie is kind of like she, you know, if you, anything, if you know anything about the story, it's this kind of story where Noah and Allie were kind of this like first love kind of thing. But then she thinks that he's forgotten her, but he had been writing letters like all the time and somehow they've gotten intercepted or something with the family. And so she ends up getting engaged to someone else and whatever. So it's this love story, but there's this moment, right, where she is actually, um, she's in this dilemma, because he comes back on the scene, and she's like, you're here, and meanwhile, all these kind of feelings get, you know, unleashed again, and then she's, but meanwhile, she's got this other person that she's not really in love with, and she's, I know, she's, okay, sorry, I don't even know why I'm bringing all this up, nonetheless, there comes this moment, this scene that I, I just thought was just such a, like a, uh, kind of an enlightening scene for me, because he starts saying to her, Allie, like, you get to decide what you want to do with your life. And she's like, she's like, you don't understand. And he goes, yeah, no, I do understand. And he says to her, what do you want, Allie? And she goes, I don't, she goes, I don't, I, you don't understand. I don't know. And then he's like, what do you want? He goes, well, my mom, and he goes, not what your parents want. Not what your family wants. He, he's like, he's like, yeah, you don't understand. He's like, I do understand. What do you want, Ally? Allie. She goes, I have to go. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, right? I mean, um, sorry, anyhow. But I, I thought that interchange was, was really kind of interesting. You know, my therapist who I meet with fairly regularly, he, he told me that he also has this very common common personality, which is why he could relate to me in many ways. This just this inability to express wants and needs in a clear, clear way. And uh, he said to me that his, his wife said to him, you know Ron, you're actually extremely difficult to love. And he's, he was pretty offended by that. Because he's like, what are you talking about? Like like 70 to 80% of the time I let you get your way, you know? Like he was kind of like, you know, like all like I'm constantly someone who's willing to serve you and willing to kind of let you get what you want. Like what do you mean? I'm I'm someone who's easy to love. And he said that his wife said to him, no, Ron, the reason why it's difficult to love you is because I don't know who Ron is. Ron simply goes with whatever, whatever I want. And honestly, I just, I want to hear from you what you want, what you prefer, what you love. And I want to celebrate that. I mean, I can go on story after story after story about this part of me that oftentimes has this difficult kind of time sharing what I want and what I need. And I think the culture of New York doesn't help because the culture of New York is all about self-sufficiency. We got this, right? I can make it. And now with Uber and cabs and subways, I can do this. I don't need any help. I don't need any rides. I don't need, I can do this. I got this on my own. I mean, isn't that the New York narrative, that we are a self-sufficient people? And some of you, perhaps, you're probably kind of here right now, and you're probably someone who's like, hey, like, Drew, I, I get that. You're someone who has a difficult time to what I want, but I'm actually pretty good at it. Ask my spouse. I'm pretty good at tell, saying exactly what I want and exactly what I need. But do you see this ability to express wants and needs It's not only for people who feel kind of like they don't deserve to have wants and needs. It's also for people, especially as it relates to needs. It's especially for the self-sufficient, I can do this, can do people to become vulnerable with the people who want to love them, with the people who want to serve them. I mean, isn't it true that if you're someone who's kind of a self-sufficient, I got this kind of person, whether a man or a woman, if if you carry that kind of disposition, isn't it true that it's probably really hard for you to ask someone for help, to mention to them, hey, I really need you in my life. Um, I mean I, it's so hard for me sometimes because again I grew up in this also this mentality self-sufficiency it's funny sometimes at church I'll like be carrying all sorts of things into the, into, the, into the building where we rent I'm just carrying all these bags and stuff and people will be like hey do you need help I'm like no I got this I got this you know And like, no, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, it's a one-person job. It's a one-person job. They're like, well, my two hands are free as well. I'm like, no, It's it's, it's just got got like 50 more paces to go. You know, I'm just carrying all these bags. And it just shows you kind of how my disposition is one in which I just want to live as if I have no needs. When meanwhile, there's probably parts of me that are crying out for different needs and wants. And the most beautiful moments are when we're able to share those with trusted others and those people. We allow them to love us in the most vulnerable spaces of who we are. Uh, Another movie that I wanted to show a clip of, I think, kind of captures this truth. And I was just thinking about, as I was thinking about sharing this message, I thought about this clip. We're going to run it here. It's from the movie The Incredibles. Uh, So uh, if we could play that clip right now and check out this interaction that happens between uh, Mr. Incredible and uh, Elastigirl. (laughs) Super duper, Dad! (laughs) Let's do that again. Wait here and stay hidden, I'm going in. While what? I watch helplessly from the sidelines? I don't think so. I'm asking you to wait with the kids. And I'm telling you, not a chance. You're my husband, I'm with you. For better or worse. I have to do this alone. What is this to you? Playtime? No. So you can be Mr. Incredible again? No. Then what? What is it? I'm not... Not what? I'm, I'm not strong enough. Strong enough? And this will make you stronger? Yes. No! That's what this is? Some sort of workout? I can't lose you again! If we work together, you won't have to be. I don't know what will happen. Hey, we're superheroes. What can happen? (laughs) Alright. Can anyone relate to... Mr. Incredible there? Can anyone relate to Elastigirl there? You see, there's something about when we share our wants and our needs, there's something that allows other people to love us in our brokenness, in our own neediness. See, the Christian story, whether you are Mr. Self-Sufficient Person or whether you are someone who feels like you don't deserve to have wants and needs, the Christian story is a story of Jesus who comes to restore all of us despite our background, despite our bank accounts, despite our dispositions. He restores all of us to the fullness of our humanity. And the way that he does this is he invites us to either believe more fully about ourselves that we are people who are worthy of wants and needs or to tell some of us who are just so self-sufficient That we are actually human beings who are broken and needy, who need God's help. You know, when we sing songs, Lord, I need you, this is what I confess. Isn't this the confession of the Christian journey? Not that we are people who are pushovers and able to be walked on, but that we are people who say that our strength does not come and derive from our own self-will and power. It comes from a power that is beyond us by the death and the resurrection of a Jesus who comes to live and die on our behalf and to give us his spirit that tells us that anything is possible. Because anything is possible, we live with incredible boldness, but we also live with incredible humility, with the ability to invite others into our journey, especially the ones that we love, to share our wants and our needs. Now, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, We're actually gonna go into a time of solitude. During this time, you're gonna empty your emotional jugs from last night. But in addition to that, in the group time, there's actually an exercise in your booklets. And uh, in your booklets, it's written by a friend of mine um, named Dr. Jay Feld, who's a Christian therapist in the city, who actually wrote out a list of many of the constant um, things that he hears in his practice as he works with people from all over kind of the city. Uh, These are common phrases that he hears from people. And he's always puzzled as to, to why it's so difficult for people to share some of these things. And so during your group time, this is what you're going to do. This is how the exercise goes. It's kind of an anonymous exercise. You're going to be around in a circle. And then one by one, you're going to start with this first sentence stem, which is, I'm not saying this is true of me, but... And then the first person will read the first phrase. Sometimes I need a hug. I don't know if that's the first one, but, you know. And then the second person will read the the second one. "Uh, I'm not saying this is true of me, but sometimes... I feel unloved. Thank you. And on and on until the time ends, and then afterwards, what you can do during your time of solitude, maybe you can even star a couple that maybe may be true of you. And then afterwards, you can simply share about how any of these exercises in your group time, you can share how how have these exercises spoken to you or what stood out to you or what's been meaningful to you. All right, so let me pray for us to close our time and then I think Ryan's gonna come up and give some direction here. Father, um, I thank you for the good news of Jesus. God, that you are a God who wants to restore us into our full human dignity. There are some of us, parts of us, that have been silenced and maybe even shamed into never kind of emerging. We don't feel like we have a right to have wants and needs. There are some of us who maybe we're just so afraid of getting hurt that we're just afraid to even ask. Father, I pray for each longing and desire in each heart that exists in this room God some of us we want you to heal us we want supernatural healing God but we're just too afraid to ask some of us we want breakthrough in our relationship but we're just too ashamed to ask some of us we want breakthrough when it comes to our job situation are just too afraid to admit that we need you or that we need someone to, to pray with us, to be with us. But God, I pray that you would grant us a newfound boldness, a newfound dignity, a newfound power to be able to ask for what we, what we want and what we need. Because Jesus, we're all in with you. We want to be all in with you. And you have asked us. And you have been the one to say, ask, seek, and knock. So God, today, I pray that we would ask, seek, and knock. And that you would answer It's in the strong, resurrected name of Jesus we pray. Amen.